Hello, and welcome to The Context. My name is Scott Pruitt, and I'm an anchor with News China. With our podcast, we aim to provide insight into the current trends of modern China, allowing you to clearly see what's happening today through a historical lens. Today we're going to talk about the excavation of the once lost Zhou Chao Bridge, which reveals the former opulence of the northern Song Dynasty's capital city, as well as the mystery it still holds. China has more than one million modern bridges and is home to the world's highest bridge, longest sea crossing bridge, and 90 out of the 100 highest bridges built this century. Either in construction technologies, material, design, or endurance, Chinese bridges have reached the world's advanced level. In recent years, bridges have become a bond that connects China with many other nations around the world and a number of Chinese-built bridges have become iconic landmarks in those countries, such as the Second Penang Bridge in Malaysia, China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, and the incredible Mohammed VI Bridge, a cable-stayed bridge that spans the valley of the Borgreg River near Rabat in Morocco. Many people may wonder why China is so devoted to building so many bridges. Well, to answer this question, we need to consider the geographic features of the country. About 67% of the country's land is made up of mountains, hills, and plateaus. There are also many large mountain ranges, especially in southwest China, which virtually consists entirely of mountains. What's more, China has many rivers, and over 1,500 of them have a basin area of more than 1,000 square kilometers. To ensure economic development and improve the lives of its people, China has been building bridges throughout its long and storied history, and many of these bridges are vividly depicted in a variety of literary works and paintings, offering a unique perspective into the lives of the people who built them. Which brings us to the subject of today's podcast, the Zhou Chao Bridge, a single arch stone bridge with huge, beautiful ancient stone murals that reveal the exquisite carving techniques of more than a thousand years ago. Throughout Chinese history, the Northern Song Dynasty, lasting from 960 to 1127, has been known as a pinnacle of prosperity and culture. The famed painting, Along the River During the Qingming Festival, by Song painter Zhang Ziduan, gives a panoramic view of the lively street scenes of the dynasty's capital, Dongjing, present-day Kaifeng in Henan province. Dongjing's landmark was the Zhou Chao Bridge. Built during the Tang Dynasty, spanning from 618 to 907, the bridge crossed the Bien River, a section of the Grand Canal that connected the empires north and south. The bridge was on Imperial Street, the capital's north-south axis, which was the city's most flourishing and bustling business district. The bridge was prominent in Song poetry and prose. Wang Anshi, 
an influential politician, thinker, and one of the greatest literati in ancient China, once described a beautiful moonlight scene in the poem O Zhou Chao Bridge. Once I walked on the Zhou Chao Bridge under the moonlight, while my mind wandered back to Zhou Shan Mountain in Nanjing. The rapid wail of the running mountain spring seemed so close to my ears. This night on Zhongshan Mountain I walked, listening to the sobbing spring. I looked up to the mountain moon, and my thoughts traced back to that quiet evening on the Zhou Chao Bridge. The bridge not only witnessed the dynasty's splendor, but also its fall. In 1127, the Jurchen-led Jin army captured the northern Song capital. The Jurchen, a semi-nomadic people from the Siberian steppes, founded the Jin dynasty, lasting from 1115 to 1234. The Song court fled south to Hangzhou, where it continued to rule for another 150 years as the Southern Song dynasty. Southern Song poet Fan Changda also wrote a poem called On Zhou Chao Bridge, where he mourned the fallen northern Song. The thoroughfare of the lost capital runs north and south of the Zhou Chao Bridge. Year in, year out, the elders there long for the emperor's return. Choked in sobs and in a hoarse voice, with the envoys they plead, When shall we see the arrival of our armies? The bridge was renovated after the fall of the Northern Song. However, the Bien River, a man-made canal that connects to the Yellow River, had since accumulated silt after years of floods, capped off in 1642 when Ming Dynasty troops flooded the city, burying the Bien River Canal and the Zhou Chao Bridge. A small corner of the bridge was discovered in 1984, but excavation did not continue. In 2014, UNESCO listed China's Grand Canal Waterway System as a World Heritage Site, which prompted the unearthing of the Bien River ruins. Officially launched in 2018, the project began with excavations of the ancient rivers. Work on the bridge began in March 2020. On September 28, 2022, the National Cultural Heritage Administration announced that excavations of the Zhou Chao Bridge were complete. What surprised archaeologists most was the enormous and exquisitely carved stone mural along the Bien River's banks to the bridge's east. They include clusters of clouds, among which gallop three winged horses with antlers, their manes and tails gracefully blowing in the wind. Around them fly several cranes, their wings spread among the clouds. The carvings are 3.3 meters high and 25 meters long, a giant stone scroll of celestial beauty. The carvings were recorded in the eastern capital, A Dream of Splendor, the memoirs of Meng Yuanlao, who lived from 1090 to 1150. The bridge's pillars were made of blue stone. The embankments were covered with murals that depicted marine horses, oceanic beasts, and auspicious clouds. Written while in his 60s, Meng described every facet of court and daily life in the lost capital, along with its architecture, economy, customs, rituals, and rites. 
Scholars debate whether the winged horses on the murals are celestial or marine beasts. Liu Qingzhu, former director of the Institute of Archaeology at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, told the context the Zhouqiao Bridge on Imperial Street was made for the emperor to cross. It is more likely that artisans carved celestial horses and heavenly scenes to represent the emperor, whose reign was mandated by heaven. Although the carvings remain as they appeared in the northern Song, much of the Zhouqiao Bridge was renovated according to Ming Dynasty designs. The unearthed bridge has a single arch, its concourse measuring 30 meters wide and 26.5 meters long. Large vessels could pass below. The original Northern Song Bridge was much lower, with enough clearance for small boats. Wang Sanying, director of the Institute of Heritage and Archaeology of Kaifeng, Henan Province, told the context, When the bridge was unearthed, we were disappointed to discover that it was a Ming Dynasty renovation, but we were extremely delighted, as the murals were Song Dynasty originals. If completed on the bridge's west side, experts estimate the total length of the stone murals would have stretched about 100 meters and covered 300 square meters. The northern Song was a pinnacle for Chinese sculpting. Archaeologists note similarity in style and technique to the Zhouqiao Bridge murals with those found on animal sculptures at the Song Imperial Mausoleums in Gongyi, Henan Province. The same artisans likely made the bridge murals. Wang told our reporter the Zhouqiao Bridge carvings are by far the largest of their kind from the Northern Song, made with the most advanced techniques of their time. Around the bridge, watercourse, and riverbanks, archaeologists also found the remains of nearly 100 houses, tombs, wells, and pits, and around 50,000 ceramic shards, along with another 10,000 pieces that include copper coins and wares made from iron, jade, bone, and glass. Archaeologists also unearthed large quantities of human remains, mostly scattered inside the silt deposits created by the Great Deluge of 1642, evidence that they died in the flood. Although the stone murals are the most eye-catching find so far, Liu Qingzhu argued that the excavation's contributions to research into the former northern Song capital are more significant. The Zhouqiao Bridge and Bian River ruins verify that Imperial Street was the capital's central axis. Most dynastic capitals had a north-south axis, and a bridge on it usually separated social classes. Citing similar examples in former dynastic capitals, as seen in modern-day Luoyang in Henan and Xi'an in Shanxi province, Liu said, Why is the Goldwater Bridge in front of Tiananmen Square in Beijing? The design informs people that across it is the Imperial Palace, while the world of the common people is on the other side. It demarcates this boundary. In ancient times, this architecture was a manifestation of order and ritual. Similarly, Zhouqiao Bridge was not merely a bridge, but a significant architectural symbol that embodied the order and rituals of the capital. The Zhouqiao Bridge ruins are at the midpoint of Zhoushan Road, the central axis of today's Kaifeng. For years, vehicles would have to detour around the excavation project. In October 2022, the municipal government ordered the preservation of Zhouqiao Bridge and the construction of a museum and heritage park above it. New roads to bypass the ruins are now in the works. 
Wan Sanying said, This plan was met with lots of opposition. Many people believe that the city's axis is a main road for transportation that should not be severed. But in ancient times, the city axis was of greater political and cultural significance than traffic. The Bien River determined the rise and fall of ancient Kaifeng. After the completion of the Grand Canal during the late Sui Dynasty, which lasted from 581 to 618, the Bien River boosted the development of Kaifeng, then called Bienzhou. During the Tang from 618 to 907, and the following five dynasties from 907 to 960, the boom in canal transport boosted the city's importance. During the Northern Song, when it was called Dongjing, one-third of the water of the Yellow River was diverted to the Bien River canals. With a population of nearly 1.2 million, the capital became the most prosperous city of the dynasty. In 1194, after the collapse of the Northern Song, the Yellow River's course moved closer to central Kaifeng. The years that followed saw constant floods and wars. In 1642, instead of surrendering to the peasant rebel army led by Li Zicheng, Ming troops stationed in Kaifeng destroyed it. They tore down the levees on the Yellow River that created the Bien, and the resulting floods instantly devoured the city, killing hundreds of thousands of people and completely filling the Bien River with silt and earth. Centuries of sediment have made the excavation difficult. Between 3 to 14 meters below the surface of present-day Kaifeng, experts discovered the remains of six historic cities built on top of one another over two millennia. Kaifeng of the Qing Dynasty, lasting from 1644 to 1911, Kaifeng of the Ming, Bianjin of the Jin, Dongjing of the Northern Song, Bianzhou in the Tang, and Daliang during the Warring States period from 476 to 221 BCE. They found the ruins of Dongjing 10 meters below the surface. These layers formed by centuries of floods make Kaifeng unique among ancient cities in China. However, the toughest part of the excavations was groundwater. To explain why the project was slower moving than excavations of ancient capitals such as Chang'an, present-day Xi'an, and Luoyang, Wang Sanying told the context, Often, water seeped out as soon as we dug about one or two meters deep, which prevented us from continuing. But as the water table in North China dropped over the past decade because of municipal construction projects, archaeological excavation could continue. Archaeologists dug down nine meters before reaching water, and pumps allowed them to reach 13 and a half meters below the surface. Many mysteries about this enigmatic city are yet to be solved. Wang told the context there has never been an attempt to excavate the Northern Song Imperial Palace, which experts believe is buried beneath the city's Longting Lake, perhaps a tremendous challenge for future archaeologists. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Our theme music is by the famous film score composer Rock Chun. We want to thank our writer, Ni Wei, translator Yi Zi, and copy editor JT. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please tell a friend so they too can understand the context.